Our scripture reading today is Isaiah 46. I'm going to begin reading with verse 3. And let me just kind of set it up for you because the, the history, here we've been in this country less than 250 years, and it seems like a long time. 250 years ago, men wore powdered wigs, whatever those would be. But the history of Israel is 4,000 years. So about 2,000 years before the time of Christ, there was Abraham. And Moses came 12 to 1400 B.C. And God gave him commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. And about 1,010 B.C. with David, we start getting into numbers we can, we can put down on paper and say this is right. David became king, and, and after David, they built the temple, and they worshiped God in Jerusalem, and they talked about the commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. And in 587 B.C., the people of Israel persisting in their rebellion, persisting in having their own way, Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Many thousands of Jews were taken to Babylon in exile, most of whom who never returned. But then the word of the Lord came through a prophet by the name of Isaiah, calling them to return and to change their way of thinking and living. And that fits into this about 540 B.C. Listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and carried you since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hair, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may, that we may be compared? Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a god. And they bow down and worship it. They lift it on their shoulders and carry it. They set it in its place and there it stands. From that spot it cannot move. Even though someone cries out so to it, it cannot answer. It can't save them from their troubles. I had to underline that in my Bible. I want to remember that. You can worship other gods. You can leave God out of your life, but they can't save them from their troubles. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east, I summon a bird of prey. 
from afar, and a man will fulfill my purpose. What I've said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. I don't know exactly when it was, but let's say it was 20 years ago. Martha and I took a cruise to Alaska. Actually, I think you paid for it. I think it was a gift for one of those anniversaries that I had. And so we went on the cruise to Alaska, and it was a wonderful time. It's a long way to Alaska. One of the places that we stopped was Skagway. And there we saw this picture. And we heard about the Alaska Gold Rush, 1896, when thousands of people made their way to Alaska in hopes of getting rich. And to get to Alaska, because it is just an amazing distance away from us, a lot of people went by steamboat through the rivers, a lot of people went overland from the Dakotas, Montana, over all the way across Canada, across up to Alaska. And some people went up the coast and started at Skagway. And I think this is a picture of men, almost all of the men, going over the mountains one step at a time. And if you look at this picture... You can see every step is taken. You can see people who are, even though it's a still picture, you can tell they're standing still. They're waiting for the guy in front of them to take a step so they can take a step. And so all of that was interesting. I like history. All of that was interesting. But the thing that amazed me about this and the thing that brought it back to my remembrance was that they said, if you dared get out of line, and you have to, if you dared get out of line, you might not find a step to get back in line for hours. So when we started talking about next Steps. that picture came to my mind because the next step is the important step. The next choice, the next decision is what's going to determine what happens to you in the future. So today, I want to talk to you about the first next step. And yes, I do understand that that's a little bit redundant and not the best English. But I think you understand that what we're talking about is what's most important, what really matters, what should happen first. And here's what I think should happen first. You should quit believing lies. Now, I can say that with great confidence because in some ways we all believe lies. We all have things in our minds that are wrong, 
but we think they're right. Some of them were placed there by moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles or a friend at school, and we've always believed it and never gotten beyond the lie. But we all believe lies because we have all been tempted of Satan. And we've all been taught that this will make things better. This is what everybody is doing. This is what everybody has. This is the new way of doing things. This is the modern way. That's the one. That's the lie that really creates problems. This is the modern way. This is, this is the way it's done today. Why do we believe them? Well, Jesus told us why. Because Satan is a liar. And he is the father of lies. And he is shrewd. And he speaks to us in ways that, that excite our passions and that create a lure and create glamour and show us something as if this is the way and you should do these things. So let me give you as the first next step Three lies you should quit believing. The first one comes right out of the passage of Scripture that, that, that we read today. And that is, we have to quit believing the lie that we can be our own God. Because my guess is, not a person here has an idol in their house that they bow down and worship. And yet we have this idea that, that I know God and that I can be God and that I can make better decisions than God can make. And the Bible, though an ancient book, is not a true book and it really doesn't have anything to say for my life. That's what happened to the people of Israel. It truly is amazing to me that they would worship other gods. 1200 B.C. and Moses came down from the mountain with the tablets in his hands and one of the tablets said, you shall have no other gods before me. It was right at the beginning. It was the basis for everything. And when Solomon was king in 900 B.C., they built the, the temple and they worshiped God and they provided sacrifices and they met week by week in the synagogues. They read the word, they memorized the commandments and they still worshiped other gods. Now this passage 540 B.C. is the historical setting. Moses, 12 to 1400 B.C. So somewhere in the neighborhood of 800, 900, 1,000 years, they had been taught, you shall have no other gods before me. 
But within 150 years after the building of the tabernacle, we read about Elijah and Elisha. And what are they dealing with? They're dealing with the worship of other gods because the people of Israel have come into the land and the Canaanites are there. And what did the Canaanites do? Well, they built high places. They would put a, an altar on a hill or a high place or they'd mound it up and they'd make it a high place. And they would worship their gods and accompanying their worship were all kinds of immorality and perversion of every kind. Anything that people do today, the Canaanites did 2,800 years ago. It was their world. They believed these things. And the people of Israel were just like you and me. They became like the people they hung out with. And they became like the Canaanites. Everybody's worshiping other gods. It doesn't seem to have killed the Canaanites. It won't kill me. We'll worship other gods. This is alluring. And so they worshiped the other gods. The serpent had said that to Adam and Eve in the garden. You can be like God. You can be your own God. You, you know part of the lie is, who does God think he is? Telling you what you can do and what you can believe and you can eat from the, all of these trees, everyone here, but this one tree you can't eat from. Who does God think he is? You can make up your own mind. It's a new day. You can do whatever you want to do. If you take it in a different context and I say all of those things, it sounds good to every one of us. That's why we have to quit believing lies. So you get into the time of the Canaanites and they worship pagan gods. You get into the time of the 500s B.C., and they were worshiping other gods. And what is happening here is, is that God is going to restore the people of Israel. 587, because of their disobedience, God let them be captured by the Babylonians. And the Babylonians took Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, broke down the walls of Jerusalem, left Jer Jerusalem in shambles so that it was uninhabitable for a few years. And people were taken in exile to, to Babylon. But about 40 years later, God said, I'm going to restore you, but you've got to put these gods away from you. So Isaiah pictures how God was made. A man's got a bag of gold. He takes gold out of his bag. He weighs out silver on the scales. He uses gold and silver. He fashions it into a god. I assure you it's small. Because these people are not going to be sacrificial. They're not going to give a lot. It's going to be a small God because it's their gold and their silver. So they make it into a God and then they bow down and worship, worship it. Isaiah says this is what happens. They take it. They put it on their shoulders. In the previous passage, here's what God said. God said, I carry you. But if you make a God, you have to carry it. You make a God, you carry it. You take a, you put a table, you put it down on the table, and what does it do? Well, it sits there. 
It doesn't actively sit there. It's placed there, and that's all that happens. It just sits there. And it can't speak, and it can't hear, and it doesn't answer, and it doesn't save. It does none of those things. But God says, I've carried you since your birth. I've carried Israel since the very beginning. I will sustain you. I will rescue you. If you want to ask a real question, why in the world did God ever keep on with the Israelites? Why didn't he just throw up his hands and quit? And the answer in Scripture is because of the steadfast love of the Lord, because of the covenant that he made with the people of Israel, that he would carry them and that he would be with them and that he would rescue them. Isaiah, if you really want to get into this, go back and read Isaiah 44. Isaiah ridicules those who who make for themselves gods and worship other gods. And if you really want to read it, read 44, 45, 46, and, and see what he has to say. And here's the picture. Isaiah is talking about a man who cuts down a tree. Now, we live in hurricane land, so all of us have cut up trees. We know what that is. So here's the picture. They cut down a tree about this size, and then they cut it into three sections, say six feet per section. And on down on this end, they take a section six feet long, and they use it for firewood, and they warm themselves by it. And the second section, about six feet long, the, the, the guy who cuts down the tree makes a table out of it, and his family loves the table. It's a part of the house. But on the first part of the tree, this part, he makes a God out of it. So it's something like this. You can read into this. This is what Isaiah says. So Isaiah says, well, let me see now. This is the way it works. This keeps you warm, right? Yep, that keeps me warm. This serves as a table, right? Yep, this is a table. And this is your God. Yep. And you bow down to it. Yep. And you listen to it. You do what you think he wants you to do. Yep. Does he talk to you? No, he doesn't talk. When you cry out to him, does he answer? No, he doesn't answer. You see the ridicule? And while that is not my problem or your problem, it is our problem that we think we can be our own God and that we don't need him. And that we can do life without him. There's a second lie. And the second lie is that you can have a life of no consequences. In other words, you can, you can worship pagan gods and it doesn't matter. Or you can leave God out of your life and it doesn't matter. Or you can forget the commandments and it doesn't matter. And you can live like pagans of the world live. Maybe your best friend, maybe a member of your family. You can live like them and it doesn't matter. It is a lie that says you can have a life without consequences and that you don't have to deal with the things of the world. 
I, I was reading this week from Proverbs. I have a friend who put me on to, and a lot of people have done this through the years. It's nothing new. But he put me on to reading a proverb that corresponds with the day of the month. So today is the 21st, and so you would read Proverbs 21. And we all need to be in God's word, and I need to be in God's word. I would say more than anybody else, I know I need to be in God's word. And so I want to read the Proverbs, and I want to read a Psalm, and I want to read from the New Testament, and I want to read from the Old Testament. That sounds like you spent half a day, and it takes me about 15 minutes. But it's my best 15 minutes of the day. So whatever day this week was the 17th of January, I read these words. Evil will never leave the house of a person who pays back evil for good. And that struck me. Because none of us wants evil in our homes. And yet we invite it in all the time. Martha uh, didn't have much of a family and had a hard family. And when we got married, here's what she said. I want a real family. Uh, the, the reals, however you meant it, but she knew what she meant, and I knew what she meant. And so Martha has basically made our homes sacred places. Let's don't invite evil in. So when I read this, I don't think I'd ever, this had ever connected with me before. That connects. Do you want to open your house to evil? Do you want to open and say, come on in, it's yours, do whatever you want to? Here's what the, the writer of Proverbs says, you open your house to evil when you do evil, when you repay the good of other people with evil, when you live in anger and resentment, when you live without forgiveness, when you live with, without caring about the needs of other people and all kinds of other things. It's like you're open, you have double doors on your house and you're opening them wide and you're saying, come on in. You can't live a life without consequences. This week also, I was, I was reading one of my news feeds. I get a bunch of those, and I enjoy reading the news, and, and I enjoy reading some of them who take a, a leftist slant and some who take a right-handed slant. And so I love to, to look at those and imagine, and one that I get is the Apple News. But since I am so frugal, I don't, really purchase it. I just kind of read the headlines. And anything they open up for free, I'll read. And, and it's not exactly where you get your conservative news. But here was the headline. It was talking about Gen Z. I have four grandchildren in Gen Z. Somewhere 22 to 25-year-olds and younger, they're our children. They're our grandchildren. They're the, the people that, who are in the children's department, the youth department, and the young adult department now. And, and here's what Apple News said. Apple News says that 
that marijuana use, I think that's the word they use, not cannabis, marijuana use has spiked among Gen Z. Well, if that had been all the headlines said, I would have shook my head and gone on. And I would have thought that's exactly what I want to say. But they, they surprised me. They said marijuana use has spiked in Gen Z and psychotic episodes have spiked also. There are always consequences to every decision. Good decisions have good consequences. Wrong, bad, evil decisions have bad consequences. You can't live a life without consequences, but that's what all of the people around us think. That's what we hear repeatedly. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't matter. This is the new way of doing things. Everything will be fine. Don't worry about it. It is a lie to say that there can be a life without consequences for the decisions that we have made. There's a third lie here. And that is the lie that you can live well without God in your life. That everything will be fine. Now, I want to I give you a couple of very basic assumptions. They come from Scripture. The first one is that God wants to bless your life. That God wants to do good. That God wants to give you good things. That he desires those good things for you. An example of that is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It is one of the great passages of Scripture, but a lot of people miss it because Lamentations is hard to read. It's hard to read because there are seven chapters of laments. They are lamenting exactly what we've been talking about, the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. Everything has been gone. Everything has been destroyed. And you can get tired of reading laments when you read seven chapters because they're just hard to read. So of all things, right in the middle, almost exactly in the middle, there are verses that don't fit everything around it. Now, they, they're very obvious. They're right there. They come from the same author. They just don't fit because here's what the author said. Even though this is what happened, still the Lord has come to us and he has promised good. We get the, the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, from that passage of Scripture. God is faithful. You can trust him. What does the writer of Lamentation says? God, it says that every morning God's mercies are new. You maybe used them all up yesterday. Well, today I've got a new set of mercies. They are new every morning. Now, if you want to do something that's interesting, figure out how many days you have lived. 
Now, you may want to do it the old-fashioned way and just multiply 365 by your age and 30 days by the number of months and, and do it that way. Somebody did it that way last night, texted it to me this morning. That's how many days I've lived. But then I had somebody else who, who said, oh, you want to know that? Hey, Siri, how many days has it been since my birthday? And so that's the easy way of getting it done. But you know what? You'll be amazed at that. However many that is, all of my friends are in their 20,000s. God's mercies have been new every morning for those 20,000 days. And they will be. And how ridiculous how awful it is to live apart from a God whose mercies never end, whose faithfulness never ends, and who desires good in our lives. Do you know what else God desires? He desires holiness. Now, we get all excited about another H word because we want to be happy. I certainly do. I think you do. Happiness is, becomes a goal for us, but that's not God's goal for my life. God's goal is my holiness. My, God's goal is for, for him to set me apart for his service and for me to joyfully and eagerly be set apart for his service. That is God's goal for you, that you would live like Jesus and become as he is, and that you would quit believing lies that say that you can live well apart from God. God created you. He knows your very being. He knows your emotions. He knows how you think, how you act, how you relate. He understands who we are. And he wants us to be like him. But here's our problem. Our problem is what Jeremiah the prophet said, the author of the Lamentations, by the way. He said in Jeremiah chapter 2, he talks about, he talks about my people have committed two evils. Well, what are they? They have forsaken me, God says, the, the foundation of living water and they've left me out of their lives. So it's, a, it's an amazing picture. If you had a bucket with chalky, milky water, I don't mean to make you sick, but a few bugs floating on the top, and you had a kind of like a flowing well at Abita Springs that came from deep within the earth, from the aquifer itself, which one would you choose? Well, in drinking water, it's pretty easy. By the way, a cistern, limestone, chalky, on the surface, whatever happened to stumble in was at the bottom of the cistern. Jeremiah says, my people have committed two evils. Number one, they've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they've hewn cisterns for themselves, and they're broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And in some way, if you 
or I, I want to say this gently and kindly, in some way, if you or I are leaving God out of our lives, making our own decisions, we are choosing chalky, dirty water to drink. You can't live well apart from God. Here's what... Here's what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah says, you worship that which was worthless and you became worthless. By the way, the word for idols often is the word for lies because that's what they are. They are lies. They aren't real. They don't exist. And if you are making your mind your God, these are lies and we become like that which we worship. So the real question is, is how do I quit believing lies? Well, let me give you two or three things to do. Number one is repent. Turn your back on lies. God, I've believed lies before. I don't want to believe any more of them. In the past, I've let people convince me that, that faith, that you, that, that righteousness is wrong. God, I don't want to do this anymore. You repent. You turn your back on it. God, I want to turn my life towards you, and I want to live for you. And you seek truth, and you ask God, God, teach me truth. God, I'm going to be in your word. I want, I want my mind to be filled with truth. My mother taught me long before I knew the scripture. You are what you think. The scripture says you become like the things you think in life. As a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is. So we seek truth. We seek God. We open our lives to God. We turn them over to him. We let him be in control. We open ourselves to other people who are seeking godliness. We study scripture with them. We let scripture speak to our hearts and our minds so that we change and we become according to what he gives us. The first next step is refusing lies and receiving God. And that's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to pray. I want to ask you to make this a sacred time and pray. God, what do you want me to do? What do you, how do you want me to change? God, I don't want to believe lies anymore. God, I want to open my heart, my life unto you. Would you pray with me now? And then as we sing and as we stand and we open the invitation to you to pray here at the front or pray with a pastor or confess your faith or, or say to a pastor, I am ready to turn in different ways. I hope you will do that today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word and the power of it. And we pray your guidance and your direction in our lives. God, I pray for people who have been sold a bill of goods and who suffer for it. But God, you are a forgiver. And you love us. Even in our sin, you love us. And you care for us. God, speak to our hearts and give us strength and courage to live for you 
and reject the lies. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Come now as we sing.